You're listening to Policy Matters, a podcast from the Peninsula Foundation. Based in Chennai, India, we are a think tank bringing different perspectives to national and international affairs. On today's episode, Satish and Commodore Mukesh Bhargava discuss the draft defense production and export promotion policy 2020. Greetings to everyone. This is Satish. And today we have with us Commodore Mukesh Bhargava, Executive Director and Member of both Lawson and Cubro Defense. He has about 31 years of distinguished service in the Indian Navy. He is also the founder and director of Defense Innovators and Industry Association, DIA, DIIA. We from the TPF are glad to have you here, sir. It is an honor to have you in today's episode, Policy Matters Podcast. Welcome, sir. Thank you. In this episode, uh, we will be discussing the draft defense production and export promotion policy 2020 that was released recently by the government. So we will jump right into the discussion. Uh, starting with the questions, India has had a continuous struggle to be self-reliant. Make in India and self-reliance has been the central theme of India's strategy for years. Now, in the context of Atmanirbhar Bharat, the draft policy envisions India to be self-reliant and as an exporting base in the defense sector. Could you please share your thoughts, sir, on this? Is it realistic or is it ambitious considering our past records? Uh, thank you, Satish. Uh, well, as far as uh, Make in India and Atmanir uh, Bharta, which is a new term coined by the Prime Minister, is concerned, as far as Make in India is concerned, well, it was uh, announced in 2014. But I can tell you that our company has been involved in Make in India for the last 35 years. Lassen and Chubro has been doing work for uh, the industry, for, for the Ministry of Defense, mainly with indigenous production. Some of the strategic programs and weapon systems that we have developed have had more than 70 to 80% of the indigenous content. But if we look at it uh, from uh, the, the government perspective, uh, the DPP, successive DPPs, that means from uh, production policy DPP 13 to DPP 16, and finally to DAP 2020. Uh, 13 had a new category called Make Indian, which was added, which with some additional avenues for offset, which was empowering the uh, industry to become self-reliant. In DPP uh, uh, 16, they added another category called by Indian IDDM, indigenously designed, developed, and manufactured, as well as the Make 2 category, with a lot of uh, emphasis on privatization of uh, uh, prioritization for Indian industry versus the OEM, in the sense that the six categories which were there, five out of those six categories were with Indian industry as a prime, and only the by global. Uh, buy and make uh, with TOT was exclusively for foreign companies. The buy global had both uh, domestic as well as uh, foreign companies participating. The second important thing which was there was that uh, the policy was given a prioritization with buy Indian as a top priority and now the buy Indian IDDM has become the zeroth category. That means it's gone even above the first category, which basically is aimed at promoting the indigenous manufacturing. 
in the dap 2020 the D, uh, the by indian iddm has become even more iddm indigenously designed developed and manufactured in the sense while in dpp 16 there was 40% and 60% indigenous content which was given in case the design is uh, indian or imported that means if the design is imported you have to have 60% indigenous and if it is done in india then 40% indigenous but in DAP 2020, it has been made only indigenous design. That means there is no design coming from abroad. So that is yet another step towards uh, promoting the indigenous manufacturing or Atnebharta or Make in India. There are various, uh, you know, terms for the same uh, idea. Another important thing which was there in DPP 16 as a dormant uh, chapter 7, which is called the strategic partnership policy. That has become uh, retained in DP, DAP 2020, but the programs have started happening under this uh, particular scheme. This is one particular uh, policy which will actually create system integrators and the uh, you know the Indian OEMs which would have their own products. Uh, IDEX or Indigenous in, uh, Innovation for Defense Excellence is yet another policy that has brought out uh, in DPP-16 and it is now already in the fourth avatar. So uh, uh, this which is called the Defense Innovation uh, Challenge which has been uh, announced by the MOD, this one, two, three are already over with close to about 140 programs and today itself we had an interaction in the forenoon for the disc four in which 14 challenges have been given for the startups and the innovators to be uh, give the solutions. This can even be done by students who are just passing out from the engineering colleges. So uh, these are the various uh, uh, promotion for the Make in India and the Atmir Bharta, which has been done. Some other points that I would like to bring out is there's a separate chapter in DAP, which is for design and innovation with separate uh, segregation done where design and innovation is to be done through the DPSUs and DRDOs and also for the make uh, and innovation categories. Innovation, I mentioned IDEX for the MSMEs and the startups, but make one, two and a new category of make three has been brought in in this policy. Now make one as we know is for creating India's uh, complex high tech systems which will make Indian OEMs or Indian system integrators, which uh, would be funded, partly funded by the government. 70% uh, is the maximum funding that the government is giving and 30% would be given by the uh, indigenous industry. The Make 2 is yet another uh, uh, innovative project uh, policy, which was brought in DPP 16, but in DPP, DAP 2020, it has been made much more uh, aggressive and looking for uh, people creating their own IPs and uh, uh, technologies. Uh, there is a negative list of 101 products that have been announced sometime in uh, August, 9th of August. And the second list, as the uh, uh, interaction with CDS mentioned, uh, that we would be having a second list coming out in December, January. And uh, in the first list itself, we had put up close to about 250 products. Uh, LNT itself has given more than 100 products. 33 of them have found place in this 101 list. 
and we are already uh, working on sending the second list next week which would have closed about 200 product drdo has also shared 108 technologies that would be passed on to the industry so that uh, they can do take it forward and make it into the product uh, drdo has come out with the dcpp which is a development come production partner policy which is uh, an old version of a uh, uh, development partner concept which they had another positive which is there which also promotes make in india and aatmanirbharta is that in all these six promotion categories uh, from uh, production procurement categories the percentage of indigenous content has gone up by 10% that means every category indian industry would now have to do per force 10% more than what was planned in dpp 2016 where it was 40% it become 50 where it was 50 it become 60 so 50% is the minimum indigenous content that is being asked for which will ensure that more and more products technologies will get developed leading to the make in india and also the aatmanirbharta there are other concepts which i brought out that uh, less than 100 crores would only be given to msme more than 200 crores would only be for domestic industries there is a concept of through life support and life cycle costing which has been brought in which also will ensure that not only that the defense products are made but you would also ensure that they are looked after for the 25 or 20 years life cycle which will ensure that a complete ecosystem of not just manufacturing but also life support would be created which would create the tierized industries of tier 1 2 3 in addition to the main system integrators which will create what we are looking for a defense industrial base which would uh, be the need for the nation uh, one more point i would like to mention is that this policy is the first time that dpp has become dap that means defense procurement policy has been now renamed as defense acquisition policy what is the difference between procurement and acquisition you go you procure vegetables you procure uh, you know products from the market it's a one time buy but when you acquire then you have to look at not just the product that you bought but how you going to manage it how you going to maintain it how you going to ensure that it lives through its life cycle how will you ensure that its legacy and upgrades are also managed and most importantly you also look at uh, making a road map of capability build up for the future and that is a very defining part of this dap where the chapters have been added for ICT information technology computers and uh, uh, communication which is going to be the future recently we had the armenian and azerbaijan war which all of you must have also read about it's a it's a event which is going to be a watershed event because it might change the complete perspective of how the future wars are going to be fought and it brings out the importance of the unmanned systems and also the cyber and space so dap 2020 has also got the cyber and space also getting added to this so these are some of the uh, important point to another thing which is important is that uh, the the raksha mantri has recently announced that out of the budget that we have uh, 52000 crore is going to be reserved for procurement from domestic industry 
so that means there is a kind of uh, all the time we were feeling that uh, with so much of g2g and uh, you know fms procurement uh, federal military sales procurement happening what will the indian industry get as an order and if you look at it 85% of the budget is already given to committed liabilities and if balance 15 which is left for capital procurement a majority goes towards buying from directly from foreign oems there is very little left in the kitty for the indian industry to really look forward to and that's where uh, on our request that you must make out an allocation that this much you will buy from the indian industry the raksha mantri has obliged and he brought out 52000 crore would be reserved for purchase from indian uh, industry so these are the positives which are there as far as dppp is concerned as i mentioned the 2018 production policy and the guidelines for export have been combined together why is this focus on exports what we have been seeing is that uh, as i mentioned budget is a major constraint and if you don't have money then you really can't be placing orders on the indian industry and if the indian industry is being asked to invest create capabilities develop technologies and manufacture products and you don't have money to buy it from the indian government then you must ensure that these products get a market outside and that's where the focus shifted on promoting exports i remember uh, there was a event done by cdm uh, quite some years back which was called swavalamban and it was an event in which one of the joint secretaries from the mob he mentioned that don't talk about exports we can't even make for our own country but the issue is that if you don't have budget for the total capability and the capacity of the industry then industry should be given an option to go out and export it to other friendly countries and that is what has been brought out as part of the eepp uh, 2020 which has uh, given a focus on making indian atmanirbharta it has also given timelines to be periodically reviewed of this policy by the raksha mantri but what we have proposed is you must put down year wise target for how much you want to ensure that export happen this year because unless you have a target in mind and a, 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 a benchmark that is to be put there is nobody who is going to be working towards attaining that and that is something the recommendation which we have given which is missing in this dppp and hopefully in the next version it would find its its place uh being an apex document being the topmost document uh, for the policy we must also ensure that there is sufficient emphasis given for orders to be given to private sector today out of the total domestic production that happens about 80% comes from the dpsus and ordnance factory and it's only about 20% which is coming from the industry if you really want to promote the defense industrial base and atmanirbharta you need to ensure that this apex document has uh, not only sufficient scope but also have provisions for promoting manufacturing within the country now if you look at the offset policy the multipliers of 3 and 4 are reserved only for dpsus and drdo whereas the multiplier for domestic industries maximum into 2 if you look at if i am in a foreign oem shoe i would look at where is the government driving this policy of offsets it is telling go to dpsus and ordnance factory who in any case have been doing this for the last 70 years 
So what is the change that we want? And the change should be that you must drive the behavior of the foreign OEMs towards the private sector. And that's why you must give a level playing. If you're giving a maximum two multiplier to private sector, you should not give multiplier of three and four to DPSUs or DRDO or permit the industry also to be a recipient of the TOT, which is being reserved only for DRDO and DPSUs. Uh, as far as buying items from uh, the, uh, you know, the negative list of 101 and the next list we talked about, we had an interaction with the CDS yesterday and he made a statement saying that, uh, gentlemen, I would like 100% of the in inventory of the three services to be bought domestically. So there is an intent for 100% to be done within the country. Obviously, 100% would never be done. But at least you can move towards that and reach a target of maybe 50, 60, 70 gradually. But as far as the export part is concerned, we have been seeing that uh, in the last three or four years, majority of the export that has happened have happened through the private industry. And I think uh, we'll cover that part when we come specially talking about export. But industry has really shown that if given a chance, an opportunity gate is open, they can really capitalize on those opportunities. So this is what uh, would be my opening remarks. Satish, I will wait for your other questions so that I can elaborate on it further. Yes, sir. And that was quite indeed an uh, interesting and elaborative explanation. And it seems that uh, there are so many reforms that are taking place with a quick phase of action now. So as you touched upon the procurement side also, we will move to the procurement uh, concerns. Procurement reforms are stated as a major focus area in this policy. Time, cost, and quality are specific issues in terms of procurement. Does the policy try to address these issues? And if so, what needs to be done in terms of policy making? Okay, so I covered some part of the policy in the in my first answer itself. Yes, but uh, uh, as I mentioned, the major change which has happened is that from procurement, we have gone to acquisition. And acquisition means you're not just looking at a one-time procurement. You're looking at ensuring capability buildup, making a roadmap of reaching the capability which the country really needs. Towards that end, there is also a proposal to make a acquisition cadre within the Ministry of Defense. Today, you find the generalist IS officers going for acquisition wing. And people from the service headquarters also are deputed into the acquisition wing. So they come to that office and start learning on the job. And by the time they're halfway through the learning, they're posted out. So there is nobody who is there to give the continuity or professional uh, acquisition experts are not there. Now we have taken uh, the example of GFAS uh, in France and uh, you have the DAPA and, uh, and the other acquisitions in, uh, uh, in US and you have various uh, agencies who do the similar work in Israel. All these three successful defense uh, uh, OEMs countries, they have a definite acquisition card. So there is a need for having a similar thing over here as well. As I mentioned, uh, the ideation, incubation and innovation, these are the three things that we need to put in as part of uh, our defense acquisition plan. And the IDEX that I mentioned, the innovation for defense excellence, that would be the way for moving further 
and more and more programs would be coming there. 50-50% is the work share between the government and the uh, startups and the funding from the government is capped at 1.5 crore because you're looking at small systems to be made. But 1.5 crore for a startup is a big amount to start and the numbers, as I mentioned, close to about 140 which are there uh, will take this further. Now, you mentioned three parts, uh, the time, cost and quality. So let's touch on each one of them. As far as the time is concerned, we have noticed that in the past, this acquisition procedure is a very lengthy and time-consuming procedure. And it has been a major challenge for, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it's taking three years, five years, and even seven years for any contract to get uh, finalized. So in the DAP, they have created what is called a program um, management unit or PMU. It's a dedicated agency which will monitor right from the issue of the RFP to all the life cycle of that project and ensure that the timelines that have been mentioned are adhered to and how they can be cut short. The RFP itself has been made realistic because the SQRs which were there were like an extract of the best available globally was combining to making a, a tender. So you take the best features of all the five Indian heroines and try to make a heroine which will never be available anywhere. And this was something similar that was happening in the case of the SQRs. So now the SQR committee has been formed, which will ensure that not only they are realistic, they are mapped to some already existing product in totality in the market. So you are not hypothetically trying to put the requirements which can never be met. There is actually a product like that already available. So that is one part of making the uh, mapping the existing product in the market with the SQRs. Another part that has been done is the longest time in any procurement cycle takes into the trials. And the trials were making like winter trials, summer trial. You go to the uh, desert, then you take the equipment to the uh, to the winter. And after finishing the desert, you have to wait for the winter. When the snow is there, and the six months goes past like that. And if the one trial is not successful, you have to wait for the next winter. And that's why it takes years for a trial to get completed. So there is a rational rationalization of the trial procedure which has been done. We were finding that uh, in the whole trial cycle, there were a number of trials that were getting repeated. So in the DAP, we have tried to bring it out to the DG acquisition and uh, gratefully he has accepted that we will not have any trial repeated. So if at one stage of the trial, a particular performance has been shown and it has been recorded, in the next stage, there is no need for that trial to get repeated as long as the equipment does not undergo any change. This will bring down the cycle time for the trial drastically. Another uh, major roadblock into the development and uh, procurement cycle was the quality assurance and the inspections, which used to take a long time because once you are ready, you are waiting for the inspector to become free. An inspector is busy in doing something else and the number of inspectors are limited. And he's saying, I'll finish off that trial and then come to you. So you're waiting for weeks, sometimes months, and your equipment is just languishing. So we had requested, and it has been accepted also, that to certain industries who are matured and have proven capability, 
would be given the authority for self certification even when we today when we do any product that we develop we first do an internal quality checks we show it to our own inspectors within the factory and once he has cleared it then only we call the the mod inspector or the cqa inspector so some of these tests can be done away with which will bring down the overall time of uh, the the trials and execution and the involvement of dgqa can be rationalized to bring it to the lowest level we have also proposed that the dgqa organization should come under the dma and i think this is under consideration so these are some of the uh, points that we have been able to from the industry side been able to include to bring down the overall cycle time and making sure that the procedure is time bound uh, pmu or the program Man management unit would one of the major point on that on the cost part there is a concept of basic contract price that we have included in this so the taxes and duties would be removed from all price consideration when we talking about what is the price so the percentage the lds the taxes and all the things that would be calculated would be calculated on bcp basic contract price uh we have as i mentioned in the beginning that there is a higher indigenous content that has been asked for so if you are going to do more and more in india you will bring down the cost of the product more and more so that is yet another point of bringing down the cost uh, as i mentioned a preference on five out of the seven categories is for indian industries only and in one category it is indian and foreign both which is the uh, by global category so this would also not only uh, you know re reserve some categories only for the indian industry but it would also promote defense industrial base and bring down the overall cost new category which has been a new idea that has been brought out is called leasing that means instead of buying the item you take in on rent or lease this will ensure that the capital acquisition cost will come down for these product drastically and if it is not a frontline warship or a frontline fighter aircraft or a frontline uh, 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 weapon system for the army you and it is a service or auxiliary you instead of doing an outright purchase take it on lease because lease rental would be much less than the capital acquisition if you are needing it for a limited time or the numbers required are less those are the cases when you will look at the leasing option negative list as i mentioned 101 and another list would be coming out maybe another 100 200 product and as what cds mentioned that 100% of the inventory in a due course he would like to be banned for import or get it indigenously more and more that we do over here we create more jobs we create more work we make our industry more competent we move up the technology and the value addition curve and we also make our our uh, industry atmanirbhar or self reliant most importantly this also creates a avenue for going for exports because if you make a product there that ip is with you and you can always uh, ensure that this product can go out for export idex and make to i already mentioned uh, they have also simplified the retention of the trial equipment trial equipment was earlier kept till final order is placed it might take 2 years or 3 years and you can't use that equipment for anywhere else if you have to bid for some other project you have to make yet another equipment so now there is a provision for returning of the trial equipment so you can save the cost 
uh, on the finance side the bank guarantee and the earnest money deposit rules have been simplified so that the burden on industry is less and especially for msme it has been done away with the terms of payment for industry is also been made at par with uh, dpsu in most cases so that it will not have much of finance implication and that's why bring down the cost uh, ferv or foreign exchange rate variation if the project is going to more than 5 years and it is above 300 crores then you would also get foreign rate exchange variation which was a major major uh, bug bear for the industry that has been accepted and uh, government has in principle accepted a sustenance model on the return of investment so that you get if you get an order it will be ensured that whatever investment you have made you get adequate research, uh, return on the investment there been a, a major bug bear is the price benchmarking which the mod used to do we brought out examples where these price benchmarks were off by as much as 180% so we told them that you just do away with the price benchmarking because there is no uh, uh, authenticity and no credibility on that which will also make sure that uh, the price of the product could be realistic and come down last thing on the quality as i mentioned uh simplify trials uh doing away with some of the trials self certification by the industry uh there was a big trust deficit and i would like to share a small thing even for the air marshal to say that during the lockdown we had the guns which were getting ready the k9 vajra and we wanted to dispatch them but there was no way for dispatching it without the inspection for the first time in the history of the indian mod and the quality assurance the entire inspection of the gun was done remotely on a digital media without the inspector physically visiting including all the performance parameters we had various digital cameras put um, uh, there with the control given to the inspectors sitting in delhi and our factory in hazira gujarat the complete gun trials was done and this was so much like that secretary defense the cds the uh, the secretary drdo and the dg of the quality assurance keep talking about it that this is the way to move forward so while we are having you know the the lockdown the, it's very difficult to ramp up the production because you have to maintain social distancing and all those uh, sanitation etc so the technology has come to the fore here and this is ensured that the quality of the product would also go up through uh, this digital means so i was mentioning about the 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 trust deficit by this i think we have crossed the bridge of the trust deficit and finally quality assurance is something that has to be ensured at the shop floor and not by dgqa sitting in delhi and that's why we look at uh, the quality at the shop floor level itself yes sir that was uh, so nice to hear that so many efforts have been taken from the government side now as we move to the investment uh, which has been a uh, worry for in defense sector in india our uh, indigenous efforts have suffered due to lack of investments in other techno critical technology areas the recent fdi liberalization seems to be a step in this direction and uh, so is the climate is conducive for big foreign investments to pull in in the defense sector and if that policy addresses this issue your thoughts sir satish uh, if we look at it the fdi policy as something which uh, i have my personal views may not be things which are shared by a lot of people i believe 
FDI and technology are not linked. And that is something that I have been at pains to explain it to our decision makers at Delhi. They all think that if you increase the FDI, you will get the technology. I have been uh, heading the, the international business and in, uh, dealing with most of the foreign OEMs. And I can tell you that most countries, the development of the technology is funded by the state. In US, it is totally funded by the government. In France, it is totally funded by the government. And even with the industries doing it, they get aid from the government. So who controls the technology? It is not the company. It is the government who controls the technology. And when you say you give a higher FDI, if I tie up with a foreign OEM A and he gets a higher FDI, will he transfer technology to me? No, because he'll go to his government and ask. And if the government says no, he has no way of increasing the technology. Now look at it, things on the ground. Then FDI or 26%. We had no technologies coming in that. The foreign OEMs, when they went to the MOB, they said, please make it 50-50. If not 50-50, at least make it 49-51. So under pressure, this was changed to 49% from 26. So 23% more was given to them. Did it bring any technology? No. Did it bring any FDI? No. The total FDI that came was 5 million US dollars. And that is more than that is what we are investing in creating our own companies. So is the Indian industry looking for foreign money to create capabilities? No. Indian industry is looking for orders from the government and not dollars from the foreign OEMs. So this concept of increasing FDI would bring in technology, would bring in, uh, uh, you know, uh, development in this defense industry. My views are it is a fallacy. Now, the 49 has been made 74 this year. I, I would like to cite an example in Germany. They had an FDI of 26% and in 26%, they reduced it to 25 now, Satish, you would like to ask, what is the difference between 26 and 25? Sit on the corporate board, at 26% uh, equity, you have a veto right. You lose that veto right at 25%. So Germany reduced it from 26 to 25 because in one of the projects where they were using a particular component, which was ITAR, that means uh, international trade restriction on trade uh, for export defense product, Americans refuse, or US companies refuse them to use that product for that uh, particular defense uh, equipment because it was under ITER. So the German, German government decided we'll reduce it to 25 so that that veto right goes away. So globally, people are trying to reduce the FDI so that this veto right goes away. We have increased it from 26 to 49 and 49 to 74. Now, I would like to see in 2021 and 22 and going forward that how much of FDI actually comes in because of that. FDI would come in, I'll tell you where. We have added a new category called Buy Global Manufacture in India. And that is where you would have some companies coming in, maybe uh, Lockheed or somebody who wants to make F-16 or some fighter aircraft over here. He might like to take that uh, uh, 74 because Unless they have a majority stake, they don't want to shift the technology here. So they stay. 
actually will they walk the talk time will be will tell so this is this year itself it has been with 74 till now not a single proposal has come for the 74 fdi and people were crying increase it increase it once it is increased nobody no takers same thing happened when 26 to 49 happened so dot is controlled technology is controlled by the governments and not the companies so unless we have a government to government agreement you will not get the technology my personal view that if you want technologies to come in it is not the fdi which is the root india today is the one of the largest procurer of defense equipment and everybody wants to come and take part into that big market of indian defense procurement why don't we use that power of purchasing to ensure that we get the technology what we need not what the foreign oem wants to give even if you give this fdi you will not get the technology what you need you will still get the technology what he is comfortable to give and that is what you don't need so we need to identify what are the gaps in our technology and those gaps we should address through the rfp the tender and make it mandatory for the foreign oems to pass that on to us they might charge us something but they can't overcharge us because if they overcharge us they will not be l1 and in the competition you will get the best price for that technology which you mandated into the rfp but not through the fdi route that's what my view is uh, we can we can you know there are other other ways to promote uh, uh, you know uh, the the fdi there is a policy that government has announced which is called raksha gyan shakti raksha gyan shakti is a policy which is uh, ensuring that the ips the intellectual property is created developed and retained over here now this is limited only to the dpsus drdos and educational institutions what we need is we need a similar policy for the industry and we need to ensure that uh, this raksha uh, gyan shakti which was created is not under the government control but under a control of an independent body which takes in whosoever is capable to generate that ip because ip generation is not the birthright of dpsus and drdo only we as a company also uh, uh, is spend a lot of money in generating r&d and ips and if we have given this kind of support it would definitely benefit the country in the long run of course we have the idex the make one which will be platform and high tech uh, technology product and of course the strategic partnership model which has been there in the policy from uh, dpp 2016 but in the four years not a single project has come under the sp model there are four projects which have been identified two of them i have not even heard of two of them are finding which is a submarine and the uh, in the aircraft which is finding some uh, momentum at least for the submarine the two companies have been shortlisted which is mesgon dock and lnt for the submarine as a strategic partner and there are five oems with whom they have to interact to bring that thing but on the aircraft it is still languishing so unless we fast forward these policies we really cannot hope of getting the technology and the know how and becoming system integrators and creating a defense industrial base yes sir that was uh, very detailed sir 
and uh, some of the concerns that you said uh, has raised in has been raised in numerous policies uh, in the case of raksha gyan shakti which was started by nirmala sitaraman in the initial years it generated a lot of ip in the initial years but after that it has lagged which we need to focus a lot on so now moving to the research and development part the policy has laid a lot of stress on innovation and r&d but on the contrary spending on research and development is just 6% of the defense budget whereas china spends 12% and the united states spends 10% so it is right to say that the policy has fallen short in this regard and uh, what needs to be done to put india in the right place in terms of technology sir uh, well my personal view is that india should not compare itself with what china has spent or what us spends on r&d we should definitely look at what are our needs what are our gaps and how we need to plug those gaps rather than comparing it with china or us because if you compare with china you are a 2.76 trillion economy they are almost 15 trillion economy so they are five times your size so you really cannot say that if they are spending 12% why are we spending only 6% in fact if you compare you spending a lot because you are just one fifth of their economy size but you spending half of them uh, on the on the r&d my view is different as far as uh, the spend on the r&d is concerned uh, as i mentioned world over on the defense side the spend on the r&d is done by the government industry when they do it that is also part funded by the government in india the biggest budget of the of the of the r&d goes to drdo which is close to 50000 crores there is no money given to the industry for research and development whereas world over all these big players the the us israel in europe the germany china uh, france even in uk and in korea all the development and china definitely entire 100% is funded by the government all the development happens through the government because defense is a monopoly that means you have a single buyer and he is the market creator also unless he is interested nobody will develop a product if today i make a gun or a ship can i go and sell it to anybody else in india other than ministry of defense so who should fund my development it should be funded by the government and they have come out with some measures in in the last few years i mentioned the idex i mentioned the make 2 i mentioned the the uh, make 1 what is needed and i mentioned the sp policy so what is needed is that out of the three make programs only one which is a tactical communication system is still alive and breathing though in this last stages the future infantry combat vehicle is closed the battlefield management system not closed but it is languishing the battlefield management system is already closed so the main technology development or r&d which will happen is because we must understand india is different than all countries in the world when you buy a us product or an israeli product or a european product it has been made for that climate and the climate of india is totally different you have sichin and you have the deserts of uh, pokhran 
Procrine is plus 65 and Sychen is minus 45. So when you interact with the foreign OEM and you say you need the equipment with uh, minus 55, not exists any. This is available in India and you need to develop it here. The policy talks about it, make one. But what has the government done? Not a single program has been put under that category till to date. And this has been there since 2005. So in 15 years, we could not generate even one program which could be making the R&D in this country. Second thing that what I wanted to bring out is if this DRDO budget is so high and what is the output? They are definitely in the missile, they have done wonders. And in some of the products, the guns, one or two guns, they have done it. But is it commensurate to the return of investment? There are 41 factories and uh, 41, uh, uh, 57 labs. And on those 57 labs, how much of investment is happening year on year? Can a part of that not big, say 10 or 20% of that money, be diverted to capable industries and fund them to look at, you will develop this and you will develop this because we have assessed you. So there should be a capability assessment done for the industry. And based on those capability, the fund should be made available to them, taking it out, no new, new budget to be allocated, cut down the, the DRDO's budget, and pass it on to the industry because they are also going to be developing the same product that DRDO would have developed. But it will come out in faster time and at better quality. And at least you would have, uh, DRDO never manufactures it. But industry, when it develops the technology, would be able to manufacture and also export. And this is what uh, my uh, uh, recommendation would be. I mentioned about the Raksha Gyan Shakti, a similar thing should be done for the industry. And uh, uh, if you look at DRDO, there are a number of uh, uh, association that has been formed with the industry. There are more than 250 partnerships have been made. And uh, there are about 214 patents they have and 139 exportable products which are there. But what we would like is that if the industry is also given part of that budget, these numbers can be ramped up many times more uh, by the industry. Uh, indeed, I think uh, there's a lot that needs to be done on the research side from the government and it needs to be intensified in the private sector. So as we run short of the time, sir, I have a concluding question. And this is on the export side. Um, after the 2018 policy, this is the first time we have a particular policy for exports. The draft policy has set an uh, export target of probably 35,000 crore by 2025. However, in reality, India is the second largest importer and still 70% of our equipment are of foreign origin. What needs to be done to set things right and how can we achieve this ambitious target, sir? Uh, well, it is an ambitious target, no doubt, but it is not unrealistic. Uh, that is what my personal belief is. And if you look at in the last four years, uh, in 16-17, we were at 1,800 crores total exports. Uh, 17-18 it was 4,700 crores, 18-19 it was 10,700 crores and last year it was close to 15,000 crores. So if you look at what is the percentage share between public and private sector on the on the export front, close to 85 to 90 percent of the export is done by the private sector of this value and in just four years you have you have grown to almost 10 times the size. So 
I would say uh, today we are close to about uh, two billion. To make it to five billion, you have to go for next five years. Making double is not very difficult. But we need enablers, we need support, and we need uh, uh, a policy that should be able to empower it. We've been asking for a defense export policy, and as I mentioned to you in the Sablamban at uh, College of Defense Management, we were told forget about export. We are not able to meet our own requirements. We have been asking for an export policy since then, because there were no orders over here. So after eight years, from the guidelines to a policy, we've been able to move. Guidelines was also given three years back, and that also the entire draft was actually prepared by yours truly, and that was what was modified and issued. So we need to look at how are we going to promote the export. First and foremost. they have to be competition and cooperation between the public and the private now i make launchers but i am not allowed to make ammunition i have a gun i can't sell the gun without the ammunition ammunition is only given to ordnance factories only now they have opened up to permit even the private sector to come in but it will take time before we can make our own ammunition so if i have to export my gun i cannot export it without ammunition and for that i have to go to ordnance factory and therefore it's a must that public private should work together so there is a, a competition and cooperation both are required uh, as far as finding out where the export market is there is a need to share the intelligence between the public and the private sector on where are the exportable product market globally uh, we also need a strong collaboration between private 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 public and public public because there be a requirement between bell and bdl to cooperate if they have to sell a missile system because the radar will come from bell and the missile would be coming from bdl and the launcher might come from lnt so there is a requirement of a lot of co uh, collaboration now as far as the visibility visibility you can't really export a product the only country that exports product which are not bought by their own country is israel wherever i had gone for exporting they first asked me has your country bought this product and that becomes a major challenge so that is now been overcome because now they have brought out a policy that if a product is met the requirement during the trial they are giving what is called a, a fit for use by the indian army or indian defense force certificate so with that certificate you can take your product and go to the export market what is required is frequent visits you need to have offices in the targeted countries and a big support is required by the defense attaches now they have been given a mandate and there has to be a structural uh, structured interaction between the indian industry and the foreign industry and this has started just two weeks back both sidm and fiki are having frequent interaction with one one country one day and this will go on till the middle of december so one month middle of november to mid of december has been targeted to cover more than 20 25 countries where we get the defense attache of that country who will bring in the ministry of defense and the the service personnel of that country on a webinar and indian industry will make presentations from here and thereafter it would be facilitated through a uh, a uh, cooperation and uh, interaction if the Travel gets permitted, we would uh, we would be able to go and meet them. 
horses for courses is important with regard to the exports each country has a different procurement policy like india has got its own but when you go to a different country you need to understand how does defense procurement happen there it may not be like your country there may be a mandate to buy it through a local partner or there may be a requirement that they want funding through a line of credit or there may be a requirement of agents or there would be agents that would be banned in a particular country so you can't use the same horse for any course for each course you have to have a different horse and that is only possible when you go around these countries find out what is their policy have a partners over there have your own offices so this is something which is very important for the country procurement norms demands what are their shortages and how are they going to be procuring there is an export promotion council that has been created by the ministry of defense but unfortunately this is totally manned by mod and the drdo people again when we talked about uh, i gave you the figures of what has been the export 90% is been done by private sector you give it to the dpsu they were there for last 70 years what exports happened nothing so if you keep doing what you did in the past you will get the same results that you got in the past you can't expect different results so if you want different results you need to change it now they make a defense uh, export promotion council but they give it to the government to run it government has no business to do business leave it to the business people and it should be okay you have some people over there but running and man, um, uh, manning it should be done by the industry they would be able to identify potential market and also give some uh, you know export control regime policies can be given uh, there is an export steering committee which has been formed which will monitor all the export cases that the industry brings up so that earlier what was happening is we used to be running after the between mod and uh, ministry of external affairs to get any export uh, proposal cleared and by the time it gets cleared that tender gets closed in that country so there was nothing happening so we now uh, uh, insisted and now online process has been brought in so that faster processing can be done the steering committee is being brought which will meet every month and see what are the proposals from various industries and expeditiously clear it and the process has been simplified the there are various expositions happening where participation is happening the government delegations are taking the private industry also along with them and the defense attaches have been given a mandate to promote it most importantly the end user certificate requirement which was there has been much simplified as a result we are able to uh, export it more expeditiously and the numbers that have gone up from 1800 to 15000 in 4 years has happened only because of this simplification uh, other incentives that the government has created is that they have made an S, uh, standard operating procedure 66% of the defense items have been removed from the list where it requires a license that means it is free to export which is much better the defense item list has been pruned down the government is giving uh, incentives in terms of uh, trade mission dip, uh, diplomatic support and financial and fiscal uh, support uh, after a lot of insistence right up to the pmo level we could get the line of credit to be cleared for four countries of for 500 million us dollars now what happens is wherever you go for exporting to any of the southeast asian country you find a chinese firm is already there 
the Chinese government is giving a line of credit to that country. So he says, I am getting a, a loan from China. You want me to pay to you, advance. So it's an obvious choice where they will go. And when we con con conveyed this to the MOD and finally at the PMO's level also, Principal Secretary to PMO, they have agreed to also give line of credit to friendly countries. And four countries, uh, 500 million has been sanctioned. This has resulted into big export promotion avenues opening up over there. Of course, FDI has been increased to 74%. And if there are partnerships, if at all they happen, it would also lead to export from India because it's cheaper to make in India than in Europe or US or Israel. So they would like to make it over here and it would lead to export. Uh, government has opened up the test facilities owned by the government for the private industry. And that has led to number of products that we want to export. We can freely get them tested over here, qualified, and uh, then open up for export. And as I mentioned, fit for military use certificate is now being issued by the government, which helps us to make our product acceptable to the government. Some of the reforms for export policy is the SP model, because once we have SP model, if we make our own submarines, Tomorrow, we would be able to export them abroad and likewise for the aircraft and the guns. Uh, the government has made open general export license, OGEL has been signed and that has opened up uh, access for the Indian industry to number of ex the export market. DA's role I mentioned and there's a task force which is being made under the Raksha Mantri himself who is steering it to see that export promotion happens. So if there are Raksha uh, Mantri himself is monitoring. We definitely see that 5 trillion is not a pipe dream. It should be possible to make it. But as I mentioned, there's a lot of work that needs to be done towards that. End. Of course, sir. it is very appreciable that uh, our highs are turning towards exporting defense goods. And uh, it's worthwhile that we make a better argument for that exports and make a big economy from that sector. Uh, as a concluding question, sir. How do you think the Indian defense industry will grow in the future? And what gives you hope in this regard? So I mentioned about the DAP, I mentioned about the DPEPP uh, 2020, both the documents. They are, in our view, uh, watershed events and very good documents. Intent is very noble. My apprehension, and I would uh, like to see that the implementation of these documents in letter and spirit is very important. We have in the past also had very good documents, but walk the talk, implementation of those policies into reality and ensuring that uh, the, the spirit behind those policy and those intents are actually followed through by the people who are executing it would be the main concern. But I'm very, I'm, I'm an optimist and I feel that uh, Indian defense industry is up for very good times. Challenges that we see is the budget. And as you know, the last budget was only 1.64% of the GDP, which is the lowest percentage of GDP in the last 15, 20 years. So when we're looking at uh, confrontation from both sides, and that is a reality, it's no longer a theory from the Eastern and the Western front. and we have not had procurement happening for the last 10 years because of the previous policy. And uh, uh, we keep on reducing the percentage of the GDP as defense budget. 
we cannot really hope for a defense industry to be looking very positively the positive indications are that the raksha mantri has said that from the budget 52000 crore for this year would be earmarked for domestic procurement we would like this number to be successive years to be increased i would propose a defense budget at least to be 3% of the gdp and as our gdp is growing the defense budget would also grow not in uh, in terms of percentage of gdp but in actual terms also if we have the strategic partnership policy implemented we will have platform integrators getting created in the country for submarines for aircraft for land systems and for ships and that would lead to ships in any case we are doing it already here but that would lead to creating not only system integrators but the entire value chain of tier 1 tier 2 tier 3 and tier 4 suppliers for these products which will lead to a defense industrial base which we lack very badly to get created uh in the next 5 years if the intent of the policy is also implemented i'm very confident the future for the defense industry is very bright and uh, positive yes sir oh no so all your concerns get addressed soon and uh, solar budget gets 3% of the gdp and uh, the private sector stands in the forefront of uh, uh, encouraging our defense sector and lnt stands forefront guiding the other private sector it is uh, indeed a pleasure to discuss the policy with an expert like you sir uh, i am sure it would have given our listeners a lot to think about we hope to have many more of discussions in the future uh, thank you very much for coming here sir we are very grateful thank you once again that's it on this episode of policy matters be sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode You can also visit our website www.thepeninsula.org.in to learn more about us and our events.